welcome crew to another episode of what are your three a channel three podcast where we take a member of the channel three community we go through three games of their picking and we wander down some other roads along the way i'm dan tucker with me as always el ray hey what's going on everybody and uh tonight we've got a, a great guest with us uh you probably if you haven't listened to him you should listen to him the sounds the sounds that he creates on his stream we're talking about, of course, Alden, C3.gg slash Alden, A-L-D-E-N. He's here to give us actually his own voice tonight and not just the ambient music. So Alden, say hi to everybody. Hey, what's up, everybody? Probably less pleasing than the ambient music is my own voice, but it's good to be with you. I don't know. That voice, that sounds like a voice that should be that should be heard. <laughs> I like it already. Let, let the dulcet tones flow. We get it on the stream, though. When you when you stream the music, we get, we get some real-time Alden... Uh, Alden voice action on there, but otherwise, when you're when you're doing it on the Spotify or uh, anywhere else, it's yeah, it's just the uh, it's just vibes. Yeah, the live streams, the live streams are kind of I don't know. I I feel like I don't have anything to say really that's like meaningful or impactful. <laughs> so I, I feel like it kind of kills the vibe if I <laughs> if I start you know flapping my gob. Your voice works with it though. It it kind of it all it all kind of flows so. Give it a little introduction; it all works. But it's nice, uh, excellent, uh, especially for uh, for me. Just kind of kind of relaxing on a drive or uh, working in the office. You need to need to kind of center yourself. It's always good for that. I appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> well, we are here to talk about three games this evening. We are going to start with game number one. You sent us the Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. That's a, a four point two rating on uh, Channel Three GG. I'm going to just say it right now: surprisingly good movie tie-in in an era where. You know, outside of maybe Spider-Man at that time, I don't really know if the movie tie-in games went really well. Tell tell us about two yeah, towers. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm a sucker for story-driven games. I think if you've been on like oh I don't know Mario Kart with me for example, or any of really like the the competitive Channel Three events, you'll notice that I'm not much of a competitive gamer. <laughs> I'm just there for the hangs and the good time. Um, but the story-driven games are kind of where it's at for me, or where it all started. Um, and so the Lord of the Rings, the two towers in terms of like chronologically, like that's, that's really where, um, that, uh, story driven, like cinematic gaming experience kind of started for me. Um, the way that the movie tied into it, or rather the game tied into the movie, um, the way that they captured all the voice acting, um, and just fleshed out the scenes for you to like immerse yourself into that, um, was just really creative and something that I grabbed onto, um, really early on. So, so what was your go-to character? You got to, you got to pick between, what what was it? Aragorn, Gimli, um, Gandalf wasn't an option for the two towers. Um, no, he was just the return of the King. So it was just the three, but then you did get to unlock Isildur if you played through the the game. Well, so I, was, did, I did. I did not. Fun. So <laughs> that was that was a college apartment like interchange, kind of hanging out with people, just kind of played it a little bit for me. Yeah, for sure. the The progression system into it, um, they didn't add co op in until uh, the Return of the King. But even so, like I had a similar experience playing it with a buddy of mine. Um, we stayed up all night one night and just played through the whole game, um, just because we were big Lord of the Rings. Uh, fans at the time and still are of course um 
But, uh, you know, there's nothing like dropping yourself into the middle of a game and taking your character to the end. You know, even even though you kind of know what's going to happen, it's like you actually get to experience it a little bit um, in a more tangible way than you do, like, just watching a movie. And I'd say it's probably probably one of the better movie to video game games. A lot of times you feel like those are kind of throwaways. But I remember that one, like, really being loved by people at the time when it was out. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I think of you know the movie tie-in games. I think of that one, the Return of the King, of course, and then um, the Star Wars Revenge of the Sith game that came out shortly thereafter was um, you know really well done too. And so that we go to game number two, which I mean it's definitely this is one of my favorite games, and I played it uh, either earlier this year, earlier or late 2021. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Tell tell us about that story, please. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I I think that you, if you jump straight to Ori and the Will of the Wisps without playing the Blind Forest first, you kind of do yourself a disservice because you don't see the just the great progression that those games have, like the the sequel over the original. Um, you know, they they the developers really worked hard to improve some of the game mechanics in the Will of the Wisps, and I don't think you fully get to appreciate that unless you play the first one. Um, which I mean, the first one in its own right is is a great story. Um, like if you're not weeping ten minutes into it, then you don't have a soul. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but um, going to the Will of the Wisps, like they just improve on the mechanics so much, um, and and even like you know the the storyline in that is so compelling um, and so enthralling. Like even though it's not a movie tie-in game, you know, I kind of like I said, for me, it's it's the story-driven aspect of it. So even though you may not know what's going to happen, you still are you know going through going through the game, taking your character to the end, and the environment is kind of interacting with you as you go. And I think that's really what. I don't, I don't know. Storytelling through gaming is is kind of all about, and Ori does that really, really well. Yeah, I agree. You, you, and without giving too much away, you, you love. I love those games or stories where you you feel you feel for the for the antagonist. You know, it, it's not so one sided. Like I'm the hero, I have to win. Like that, they really tie in all the characters. You feel you feel the backstory for all of them. Oh yeah, definitely. the The best antagonists, you know, have a great backstory. You know, and and you can empathize with them and kind of see where they're coming from and be like, okay, yeah, I can, I can definitely appreciate how they got to where they are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was going to thank you both. You've been very delicate with this conversation. I came in very uh, apprehensive because I, I did download Switch, just had it in the eShop on sale. Uh, I did download both of them, but I'm like, oh, I don't know where this, how spoilery, spoilery is this conversation going to get? And you two are dancing around this very delicately. On behalf of us who are seeing all the recommendations for this game, I thank you. Yeah, I mean, you can talk about the game just because, like Alden said, the story is so impactful. I mean, I'll say, you know, I'll say the music and the whole environment of it. I played it uh, on an airplane going home on a, like a red eye flight, so I was in the dark, headphones in. I mean, that game just kind of encapsulates you. And like Alden said, you want to play the first one first. Um, you really see that that progression is it's kind of really beautiful to see. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned the soundtrack. I listened to the soundtrack for the Will of the Wisps before I played before I got to play the game. And uh yeah, it it's it's just stunning. It's a it's a piece of art. Absolutely. Everything you said is completely correct. And so with that, we go to game three, which is one that I think I might end up going and playing at some point just because I got on in the late on the late newer version of it. But Dark Souls three, tell tell us I feel like people say that the story mode almost seems convoluted sometimes because it's so open, there's so much to do. 
So how how come Dark Souls Three is is your go to for this series? Yeah, yeah. So going with the story driven element, you you kind of might be scratching your head, like, okay, well, I don't really see if for those who have played the Dark Souls games, like, there's not really a you don't have a set like antagonist. You don't have um, you know a story or a background for the protagonist that's like super well presented to you, um, or, or rather, it's not spoon fed to you, right? Like right from the get go. Like you don't get a script with like you know uh, this is this is you know from the humble beginnings to you know hero status. This is where you are. It's very much a you've got to dig for it, right? You've got to read the item descriptions and you've got to um, read the, reading some of the, 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 uh, the notes on, on like the different spells and, and whatnot to kind of figure out what's going on. You've got to dig into the lore um, and you've got to work for it a little bit. And I, I really appreciate that storytelling method that dark souls encapsulates. You know, I think they're notorious, for their difficulty in particular, but kind of behind that is, uh, I mean, it's, it's a giant puzzle. Um, it's really what it is. And, um, you know, different move sets that you've got to memorize. And as you're fighting bosses, you're kind of like, okay, well, you know, if I can, if I can figure out how to move here when they do this, and if I, you know, do this button combination when they do, when they do that, or when they give this cue away, you really experience growth in yourself as a player while you're playing those games. Um, and so the story really kind of becomes about you in a way. It's like, okay, how are how am I improving or getting better as I'm taking my character through this like kind of desolate and open world, not really sort of knowing what what like I'm about at the beginning of it, but then kind of at the end figuring out like okay, this is my play style, and this is um, how I would approach this type of boss, you know, with a with a sword and a shield, or you know, this is how I would approach a magic based type of boss. And yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's more about yourself and your own experience than necessarily the character involved. I appreciate the fact right. that you just tied that in. Sorry, I was, I was just gonna say. I- I appreciate the fact of how you tied that in because I was wondering with the first two games you're talking about the story driven element to it and Dark Souls Dark Souls is just lingering there it's on the list and it's in my head the whole way I was trying to figure out where this left turn was going to go because my memory of it I never played three but even with one you know my memory you're talking about the protagonist the antagonist but the the protagonist was my will to live and the antagonist was me playing the game. (laughs) Like it was just, <laughs> it was just brutal. And I, but I mean, like you, you really, you really put it, put it well. You have to, you have to dig into it. Now I, I kind of want to go take another crack at it because I, I think Dark Souls is getting an update. Uh, it, it, it may make me want to go back. I'm probably going to throw the controller after five minutes and say no, I, I, I can't do this. But I, I do have to take a closer look at the lore. And I, I'm waiting. I, you know, it's going to let ray jump in here because i know you got that you got that uh elden ring tie in here but uh thanks thanks for walking me through and really selling me on dark souls far more than anybody has that's all i had to throw out there totally yeah man um it's a lot of fun i i started the dark Souls series on two i I think because the remaster for one hadn't come out yet uh for the next generation consoles um i almost quit it i don't know (laughs) a couple of days into it are you really a dark souls player if you don't almost quit it at least three times in the first oh. hour you're playing. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's brutal. Um, but two has that death mechanic where if you die, they nerf your health, right? So it's just easier for you to die next time, and then it keeps going down incrementally. But thankfully, they did away with that mechanic in in three, which is why I picked three over two. <laughs> so I mean, what you said is is really cool because games don't really do that in games. 
you know, you, you get power-ups along the way, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm like my character's better now, so I can play better. But Dark Souls, you said it, it's like you're actually getting better at the game. Like you're, you know, you might get some better weapons, but if you don't get better yourself, you don't play the game better or kind of advance on it. Uh, so my totally. question, right? So my question is, um, what was what's your go-to style in Dark Souls Three? Do you have a heavy sword? Were you kind of a light rolling around person character? Whoa, what? How do you play? Yeah, for Dark Souls, I'm definitely more of a lighter build, just kind of a sword and shield, maybe like a long sword every once in a while, or like a bastard sword. Um, you know, if I need to, uh, you know, really deal some damage, but mostly it's just sword and shield. Um, I'd like to get into the magic builds, but I have yet to cross that bridge. I, I, it just or, seems way too challenging. I know, the I I just don't like. I don't want to play magic and kind of like stand around and kind of like like hide or almost and try to dodge all the time. I I, my, I, like, I run in and, and jump with my big sword. My first build playing Dark Souls Dark Souls Two was a magic build, and I kept running out of uh, you know FP or mm-hmm. whatever <laughs> in the first area after after the bonfire. I was like, okay, I don't got to restart, kind of respec and and approach this from a different angle. Probably one of the first games that I played with you know the wiki right open in front of me. Like, okay, so gotta you know in order to make it through this area, like take a left turn here and you know take a right turn there, and this is where this chest is. Um, but even so, I had a good time. Brady Games, whoever is probably really mad, especially by that point, the wikis were an option. You didn't have to spend forty dollars trying to find the ultimate guide. <laughs> right, right. It's not like picking up the big old book at uh, at GameStop back in the day. Yeah, I think Final Fantasy VII was the last one of those. I, my dad had picked that one up, I remember. Actually got the Brady Games Guide for Final Fantasy VII. Nice. All right, so you walked us through. We talked about some story-driven games here. We have a few honorable mentions we're going to discuss. Starting with, you combined, you're, you're trying to break every record we have for discussing honorable <laughs> mentions here. You tied in... Six different Star Wars games. Maybe you just said you were at Lego Star Wars and Lego Lord of the Rings, which Lord of the Rings consolidates three books into one game, but there's like twelve iterations of Lego Star Wars. So, so first of For all, sure. which, which one, or is it just kind of the the Lego Star Wars in general, or Lego in general? Just, How'd this end up here? Yeah, just kind of the franchise in general. I will say the Skywalker Saga is really good if you haven't picked it up yet um it really revamps the lego games in 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 just a really really creative way um, it's entirely it, different um, fun it, it really is it really is um like the combat the shooting the lightsaber fighting like it's it's completely different but i, I wanted to include the lego games because um as i'm having kids now and getting older um the story driven element you know it's kind of you don't want to introduce your kids to i don't know uh, cutting off the heads of orcs <laughs> probably before the age of 10 or 12 right so um being able to play the lego games as we're reading like the hobbit and the lord of the rings together has been really fun for me um, so my daughter and I read the Hobbit together earlier this year. We played through the, the you know, the Lego Hobbit game. Um, my son loves Lego star Wars. Um, and so just being able to, to bring those stories and introduce them to them at, at an early age, um, the Lego games have, have allowed me to do that. Um, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. Those ones in particular are really good for getting the family involved or especially getting small kids involved. There's a couple of the DC ones that have some really 
weird puzzles that don't work very well, but most of the Star mm. Wars and definitely the Lord of the Rings, very easy puzzles to, not easy puzzles, but, you know, they're very manageable puzzles to work your way through. And once you kind of get the hang of it, uh, you know, you can kind of progress and you can focus on the story and just have fun with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, being able to, you know, make it accessible to, to young kids and, you know, the rest of the family is really where it's at for me. So let's talk another family fun game here. The Legendary released 17 times. Have you played it on your Alexa? That's one of my questions I have to ask first of all here. 2011 Skyrim, the 4.5 rated. Uh, listen, I, I love it. I'm here for it. I, I joke only because of the fact that we need Elder Scrolls 6 and we need Fallout 5 and we need all the like. But hey, take all the time they need if they're going to get it right. But you, you go off about Skyrim. Oh, yeah. Man, I spent my entire college career on Skyrim. <laughs> um, Skyrim is one of those games where there's really no wrong way to play it, right? You kind of go through it and you, you just do what you want. And it's beautiful and the soundtrack is amazing. And like I, I, there's really nothing wrong with it except for the opening scene that you can't really skip through. <laughs> Um, but in terms of the story driven element there that I was talking about, like, um, yeah, what's, what's great about it to me is that you kind of craft your own story, you know, like, sure, there's the main quest line, but you can go off and do your own thing without, you know, 40 hours into the game without even touching the main quest line, which, um, is something a lot of games don't allow you to do. It's just kind of to to break the linear cycle. Um, so it's a, it's a true open world game in that sense for me. Yeah, that that's one where every time I go to replay it, I'm like, I'm going to do it different this time. We're going to do it, not the story wise because narratively I kind of go all over the place. But you know what was really good with Skyrim is you built your skills up based on the actions that you take. So you, you weren't confined to it. You can kind of grow until you, you got everything up to, to level 100. But I always turned into a stealth archer every time. It didn't matter what. I'm, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some magic this time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build up some fire, some healing. And nope, stealth archer. That's all it's going to be. Sneak, sneak, and, yeah. sneak and archery all the way up. Oh, definitely. In those games that react to your play style, I think there's something to be said for, um, you know, in, in terms of creativity uh, on the developer's part, too, because it's like, okay, the game is kind of getting to know you as you're getting to know the game. But yeah, like, I <laughs> I get what you're saying. Like, sword and shield build is pretty standard for me in, in RPGs. But, you know, I, I kind of gravitate towards like sword or mage build in Skyrim. Um, but yeah, stealth archer, definitely, definitely a solid choice. The other thing I always recommend to people with Skyrim is don't fast travel. That That is a game where your experience is wildly different when you don't fast travel. Listen, fast travel away in Breath of the Wild. Go nuts. Like There's cute little things you're going to see, but Skyrim's just, oh, you can't even tell what you're going to be seeing. You can't predict it. I can't tell you, hey, go here at this time. The stuff you're going to wander into in Skyrim is, uh, is entirely on its own plane there. Playing Skyrim almost became a mental health exercise for me. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of on par with like ambient music um, because like you're walking through this gorgeous world and like there's the cinematic soundtrack playing in the background. And when they added ray tracing for the next gen consoles, you're just like looking around like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm walking through the mountains right now. And like, it's, 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 it, there's a, there's a certain level of peace that definitely comes from, uh, <laughs> from playing it. If Skyrim is the ambient music of video gaming, what on earth is Dark Souls 3? 
Oh man, um, new metal. <laughs> Fair enough. I was gonna say I was um I was definitely too young for Skyrim, and by too young I was like, I was I think it was in high school or whenever when it came out. But I I I think I I became you know head of the thief guild and caught in some cave down below, and that was the end of my Skyrim experience. So I got I got so far off that I was like, I'm never gonna make it back. I don't even know what the story is at this point. And the game just got away from me. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it can run away from you for sure. Yeah, that's why it's called Skyrim and not the the hunt down for the emperor or whatever. Was, <laughs> it's just about the land. You're just doing your thing. You just go. Right, you just do whatever you feel like. All right, last game on the honorable mentions. Another one. Listen, this is another one that I love. These these indie games that they put out. I mean, uh, Hades. Go ahead. Go talk about Hades. Oh, man. Hades is such a great game. Um, I as, as I've gotten older and have had kids and, you know, less time for gaming, Hades is one that um, I, I just keep coming back to because the replay value on it is so high. Um, because it's, for those who don't know, it's a roguelite, which means that you kind of pick like a base build at the beginning. And then as you progress through your through your run, um, you get you pick up modifiers and buffs and, and whatnot along the way. Um, and each run is a little bit different than the last one. And depending on what you get or just, you know, luck or chance or skill, uh, a run could take you anywhere from like 15 to 30 minutes. Um, and so it's, it's really good for like those quick hits where you're like, okay, I know that I only have time for like one or two runs, um, and then I got to go do something else. But even so, like, I I want to draw attention to the voice acting in it and like the story that kind of runs throughout. Um, even as you complete runs, like you unlocked pe- you unlock pieces of the story over time, which I really appreciated and thought it was really creative um, and kept me coming back for more. That's where it stands out as a roguelike game because there's there's a real story to it, and every time you think it's over. Like you, you do a disservice to yourself not reading all the chat and all the voiceover that goes along with it. I think I'm I'm 90 hours in, and every time I think like, all right, I've 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 finished it, it throws you just like a little more to it. It's like, yeah, no, come do 10 more runs because you need to learn more about what's happening. Definitely, yeah. There's just so much packed into it. Um, it's a little bit more accessible in Dark Souls in that like you don't have to read through yes. lines and lines of text. Um, but even so, it's still it's hidden just enough to make it kind of like okay. Well, what if I just 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 one more run, like just one more run, just, just one, one more, more run. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, fifteen to thirty minutes. Once you really get into it, once you finish, you know, okay, I can do a run. It's going to take me this long, and you know, just have kind of fun with it. Yeah. Totally. Right, Ray, I'm going to leave a gap in here because I may cut this later, or if you're hearing this, so be it. Hades has a 4.6. And listen, I'm not torn through it to the degree that you and the Mad Harry Rackhams of the world have, but I'm going to say this much. That one-star warrior out there, we officially have an enemy of the podcast at this point, Ray. I'm, I'm declaring it. We have an enemy of the podcast. The one, again, the, the one-star, I'm, I'm, I am bothered by it because there's games like this. Hades, is there's no logical way that this game has one star. Yeah, it's whether you enjoy the kinds of games or not, it's too high quality of a game. It's won too many awards. It won an award for storytelling, which video games don't get. I just yep. if I, I wish I remember the name of the award at the moment. But a game like this, it's, it's like a one star rating is just kind of a slap in the face. So so we're here for the vibes. We don't really have enemies of the podcast, but I'm gonna call you the enemy of the podcast. You know who you are. We're moving on now. <laughs> All right, so that we go to the future games, so the games that Alden is looking forward to, and it's really kind of not surprising. It's not how the list goes, but the first one is is Gollum. Tell me, tell me, I haven't heard of this one. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the uh, there, there are going to be no surprises in this list, right? So the story-driven games, the tying into movies, you know, the different environments that kind of already exist out in the metaverse, you're like, okay, well. Gollum, um, obviously set in the Lord of the Rings environment in Middle-earth. Um, from what I hear, it's going to be sort of like a stealth-based game. Um but it's linear, right? So it's kind of an untold story of Gollum. Um, so we'll see. I'm I'm excited to see how the developers uh, present it. I think Didelic is is developing it. Um, originally, it was set to release in September of this year, but I think it's been pushed back. Which I mean, you know, fine by me. If I have to wait a little bit longer for a more complete game, then so be it. But yeah, I'm excited for this one. I'm excited to see uh, what they do with Gollum. I think you know Gollum as a character is really is really interesting for you know the the Tolkien nerds out there um you you kind of get into the character of Gollum and you you realize like okay well as much as he is a uh sort of vile and like revolted creature you you do still kind of have this measure of like well how could his life have been different if he had not found the ring you know what if um how how and when did he lose his humanity and what does it what would it take for him to to get his quote unquote humanity back i know he's not a human but you know um we're mincing words at this point mm-hmm. so my son started playing fallen order which is where we're going to segue into uh jedi survivor being your second game you're looking forward to a game that uh basing on what i, I will say two things before i let you go off first of all with fallen order i learned especially with my son you could play that game i tried playing that game on dark souls mode no don't don't do it don't don't do it to yourself this is a game where they they literally declare it to say hey you're playing for the story i don't think they even call it easy mode i think they call it story mode uh which is fine because it's so captures the whole star wars universe and the whole like first level of the game where you're being introduced to it the music's playing and you're in this imperial shipyard looking around and just there is stuff happening in the background and anyway i'm gonna shut up now and let you talk about uh looking forward to its sequel jedi survivor you know fallen order did a couple things really well it it kind of like you said it really just kind of threw you into the star wars universe um in a way that a game I think hasn't in, or at least a single player like RPG hasn't in, in recent years. I'll, I'll say that Battlefront 2, um, the most recent one, did a great job of capture, capturing the aesthetic of Star Wars. But I think in terms of like storytelling and pacing, like when you think about Star Wars, you think about like the original trilogy, A New Hope, you know, Empire Strikes Back, um, Return of the Jedi. The pacing of the storytelling is something that really stands out to me um, and that it's not it's not overly quick. You know, it's kind of slow and methodical and it builds on itself. Um, Fallen Order did that really well. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to Survivor so much. Much. Additionally, because of the the Dark Souls mechanic, you know, if you enjoy the Dark Souls games, you know, it, it's the progression system feels very similar. Like, like right, you you do a section, um, or sections are separated by checkpoints, right? And so you start at you know one checkpoint, and you've got to work your way through, and um, you've got to determine which force powers that you're going to use. Um, you've got a certain amount of force allocation that you've got to measure um, and keep track of along the way, um, and and you've got to figure out where the enemies are and and how, kind of how to how to take them down because each one of them have their own like strengths and weaknesses. But the gameplay itself is is just so much fun. Um, I, I'll never 
tire of deflecting a blaster bolt in Jedi Fallen Order. So I'm I'm excited to see what new mechanics they introduce in Survivor for sure. If you know nothing else than to see you know what they do with the story. You talk about the blaster bolt reflecting. You know you see that and you're firing back at the stormtroopers. You're just in it. You get the. Uh... Some of the fancy moves with the lightsaber taking out some of the stormtroopers and you're just, you're just cheering along with the game and kind of like just fist pumping it. Very curious to see where they go next. The one thing, the one critique I have is just a lot of the, a lot of these games are, are just filling out space with, you know, 872 different lightsaber poncho combinations. They, they got to figure something out there to either just kind of, kind of whack that because I I will want to gather it up just to make sure I don't miss something, but it also serves no purpose. So I, you know, it, it, it makes me kind of wonder, I'm like, Ooh, what's over in that corner? Like, Oh, it's another part. Oh, it's another piece. Like, no, no, let's just, let's just get the game going guys. Time to move. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You, you nailed it on the head there with the, with the unlockables and fallen order for sure. Like it, <laughs> I got sick of the different paint color combinations too. Like it, it's gotta be a little bit more, um, uh, just more in in Survivor, so I I think they've gotten plenty of feedback like that. So I'd I'd be interested to see what uh, what new unlockables they're going to introduce. On to three, where I think we hit what is probably a game that is on the most Channel Three uh, anticipated lists, my own included, with the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So let's hear what what are you looking forward to? What are your theories? What do you have you spent time analyzing the total of 47 seconds of footage or whatever they've given us to figure out what's happening here? Uh, or are you just waiting no. for, for May? <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just waiting for May. I'm not, not spending that kind of time going through the trailers with a fine tooth comb. I, I think the trailers look really interesting and cool, but I, more of what I'm looking forward to with Tears of the Kingdom is... Uh, just kind of more of the mechanics that were introduced in Breath of the Wild. I think with Breath of the Wild, you got a world of physics, um, an open world of physics that was very unique to the gaming world. Um, and so seeing how the developers expand on that and elaborate and you know make tweaks and uh, introduce different things like cooking recipes or you know different clothing sets or or what have you um you know different things that you can do or alter about the environment how it's gonna how you're going to be able to interact with the world around you is what i'm most excited for the story's fine zelda itself is a little convoluted for me you know in terms of timeline and the 15 different uh timelines in the multiverse what are you talking about but, i got two i got two thousand pages of books about 20 feet behind me here that i can help you with that if you need that's amazing yeah i'm, I'm not kidding um, I, I have there's those three the like the hyrule historia the encyclopedia whatever the third one was that i don't even think i opened up and then there's the the breath of the wild one if you don't if you don't have that if you if you have the uh, the means to do so it's a beautiful art book around breath of the wild in particular, but uh, I, okay. I, kid, I kid about the other ones, but I did have to walk my son through because he was asking me about it one day. I'm like, I, come here, son. I got the timeline right here for you, buddy. Good luck. Let, let me Let's show go. you. That's great. I love it. Every time we have this conversation though, or every time I think about tears of the kingdom, I have to remind myself, you know, I, I am still of the conspiracy theory that they released skyward sword for a reason. And I have to remember to go back and finish playing Skyward Sword because if I'm right, I need to know what's going on because I never finished Skyward Sword. I got on the Switch. It's there ready to go. go. It's in the backlog, though. Got, got to get back to it. Yeah, there there was definitely a, I don't know, a, a, 
uh, a dark ages of Zelda for me, I guess. Like I played Ocarina of Time, loved it, and then didn't touch a Zelda game for years after that. Um, just because I, it kind of fell off the radar for me. But there were so that many being of those said, Game Boy Advance and and DS gate, like they were they were releasing two. Oh, they yeah. tried to release three of them for for one of them and just kind of failed and went to two. And they had like well, third party folks in well, there they, working on stuff. It was all over the place. They did that with yeah. a lot of games when you know when you had the Game Boy, then the DS, and then the PSP, and you had these series putting out games on all the systems as as if people were going to buy every single system to play every game on it. It was weird. It was a weird right. time. Kirby was yeah. the same way, and Kirby's games were like short. They weren't even mm-hmm. yeah. full games. They were almost like EPs versus LPs for video games. Right. Yeah. Totally. Just hard to keep up with. Speaking of EPs versus LPs, one of the things that we do on the podcast, if uh, everyone's paying attention, is we pull one of the quests or questions from Channel 3's history to discuss with someone. We don't give any warning for that one. You know, we have a little back and forth, a chat about, hey, what are your three games and your honorable mentions and all that. But the thing we don't warn somebody about is what the quest is going to be that we're going to bring up. And Ray pulled this one for us beforehand. So Alden, it's only appropriate as we tie in the ambient music, the weathering grains, and uh, everything you have besides the video gaming that you're known for in the group, and ask you, tell us about your favorite game soundtrack. Favorite game soundtrack. Um, Really what's on the brain right now is Ori and the Will of the Wisps, um, just because we talked about it earlier. I can't remember what I answered that question with. I uh, It was probably something similar. I but- can tell you. <laughs> you so your answer oh I, i've come ready the answer you put was breath of the wild oh okay but i'm very yeah. happy that you said oh will the wisps yeah well i love breath of the wild um the the ambient piano uh background you know just kind of following you through the game um was just really pleasant but i think ori and the will of the wisps kind of does what skyrim set out to do and and like does it better in that it just kind of immerses you in the world in in a way that I, not not many soundtracks do. Um, I could listen to that soundtrack by itself um, and be completely happy, and and wouldn't need like the the pictures on screen to sort of tell me anything. But it's it's beautiful and it's cinematic and um, it kind of tells a story in its own right. And I think the best soundtracks, you know, the best soundtracks do that. Are the Ori soundtracks easier to obtain than the Breath of the Wild soundtrack? Because I think every three months or so, I have to find a new source for the breath of the wild soundtrack. I may have joked about Hmm. an enemy of the podcast with the one star person earlier, but Nintendo's music policies are absolutely a true enemy of the podcast for us at this point. Uh, I I have to, I'm looking forward to checking out Ori's based on that. I mean, literally the kids go to my kids go to bed and just have the breath of the wild soundtrack playing on like a 12 hour loop. Um, So it is, it is just a, like you said, mostly ambient, you know, occasionally get that, the battle music thrown in when you're playing through the entire soundtrack. But when you're, when you're telling me, Hey, breath of the wilds up there and you got the Ori soundtracks in there again, I'm looking over at my switch here behind me and in front of me behind the computer. I'm like, I got to get, I got to prioritize that one just so I can do the soundtrack. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure it was a Microsoft developed one and it's available on Spotify. Good. People people have it on YouTube too. Take People have it on YouTube too. You can play the whole um, you can play the whole soundtrack on YouTube. Nice. Uh, all right, so we're getting towards the end here, but we have to ask this. We ask everybody, Alden. So far, what's your favorite feature on Channel Three? And it doesn't have to actually be a like technology feature. Just your favorite thing on C Three that you like doing. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I am probably going to say um playing games online with people um is kind of like I mentioned at the start, like I'm not a super competitive person um or or video game player. Um had some really bad experiences playing like games like Rocket League and Fortnite years ago and kind of swore off online gaming. Um just because of the toxicity that kind of surrounded it, you know, uh, growing up in sort of the, I don't know, when when online gaming first, like, really got big with, like, Xbox Live when that first came out and, like, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, I'd, I'd see my friends get online and just, like, get into these verbal battles with other people and just, like, slay each other over the microphone, like... Okay, that's that's that you know that's not really what I want to be about or what I want to be involved in. It doesn't sound fun to me. Um, and so the environment that Channel Three creates and offers um, its user base in terms of like positivity and inclusivity um, is something that I I really really appreciate. It gives places or it gives it gives a place for people like me who maybe aren't as competitive as like other players um, to just hang out. And connect with other people who love gaming, and I I love that. You know, well, it's a place to build build relationships and make friends. Alden, I was already going to sneak in to open the stream for anybody for anybody who's not aware. Alden put the effort in to go through and compile a bunch of the soundboard clips that we use during broadcast. Now, number one on the list, just because I have them alphabetized is the uh i'm glad you talk about all this, this toxicity in online gaming and of course number one alden i'm gonna come in here and beat you. Uh, on that list is the Alden, i'm gonna beat you comment for me which i also was going to sneak in to open the episode up like right after i kind of exited the introduction music that we have there i was gonna drop that in so now now I really have to do it based on the fact that you're talking Got about this. It was all, Got man, all the good fun is as all this talk about no toxicity as he goes and, and rams red shells down my throat every human, every time humanly possible. <laughs> Mario Kart. It's all in love. You it, know? It's all, the it's all good fun. I mean, listen, you put it really well. Cause I'm the same way. Like I, 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 I can't do online gaming. It is just, it is just not worth it. I don't feel like dealing with the people that are involved with it. The, the, the community is just fantastic for, everybody understanding hey listen i just want to play a game and hang out and you put the notification out there and it's like field of dreams if you build it they will come and people will be right there with you along the way the events are are chill yeah there's some competition you know yeah you got taglines on the line and xp and all that but everyone's just there to have fun yeah yeah, absolutely. And I think what's been surprising is that like along the way I've gotten better at some of these games. You know, like when I first started playing Mario Kart with Channel 3, I was like, I didn't know that you could be good at Mario Kart. I thought that was just something that you got on and like I, I don't know, just did and you know, did races and whatnot, but like it really was kind of a shock to the system to <laughs> to play, you know, the first couple of rounds of Mario Kart with the Channel 3 crew. It was like, okay, that's uh that's Mario Kart on a different level. But then like, I don't know, playing in the events, you know, months later, I'm hold, holding my own against people who have been playing for, you know, the better part of, you know, a year or two. Um and so that's fun to see. All right. Well, with that, we've made it to the end here. We got to thank our guest, Alden, c3.gg slash Alden. That's where you can find them. You can find a podcast at c3.gg slash podcast. And as always, we drop Wednesday mornings at 3.33 a.m. Eastern on all the major platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple. 
for myself, El Ray, Dan, Tucker, and Alden. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and take care. Alden, I'm going to come in here and beat you. Oh, 